it's good to see you, uh, those that I can see. Uh, and uh, I'm speaking in faith to those on the other side of the screen, clearly. Uh, communion service this morning. So if you're accessing via a screen and you want to join in with communion, you just need to make sure uh, you've got something that approximates bread and wine for later. Uh, otherwise, you know, we'll just sort of trundle through and see how we go. So as always, we begin by hearing from God's word and our call to worship is the first 14 verses of Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said... I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south, Tabor and Hermon, sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endued with power, your hand is strong, your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. So we will join our voices with the voices of the heavenly host as we stand and sing together. Please stand if you're able. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Strength for today. 
Please be seated, friends. Let us pray. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. That's what we want to do, Lord. We want to sing your praises. We want to live lives that are worthy of the calling that you've placed upon us. We want to be like shining stars in the midst of uh, all of the circumstance that we find ourselves living in. We want to be your women, your men in this place. We want to be uh, those centres of love and mercy and justice and faithfulness to the promise that you have given to us to be with us always, to never leave us or forsake us. We celebrate your name, Jesus, Saviour, Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate the truth of the promises that you have made in those names. And we long to see those amongst whom we live and work and have our being. We long to see them come to know what we know. That sins can be forgiven. That there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. All of our horizons are open. All of the future is full of possibility because of what you have done, God. Because of, because of what you purpose to do from the very foundation of the world. You decided you wanted a people for yourself. And you chose and you set about making us ready. And now here we are, Church of Jesus Christ. Still being worked upon by the power of your spirit because it's still necessary, Lord. There are things... Even now that we say and think and do which are not right, they bring no honour to you. And if they were to be known, they would bring shame to us. We're sorry for all those things. And with your help, we won't touch them again. We'll be able to leave them on one side and be who you've called us to be. We've missed opportunities too to say something for you. Uh, we don't always live in the right way. We, we know actually if we live in the right way, opportunities will come to us to say why it is that we live like we do. It is because of the love of God. It is because of the great mercy that we have been shown. It is because of the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be alive and alert to all the possibilities that will come our way in the days that lie ahead. Help us to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Help us to be ready to say a word for you, to offer some act of kindness that will break a heart of stone, that will open up the chance of a conversation that will enable us to say a word that will bring light and life to all those around us. Help us with all of that, Lord. Help us to be what we should be. Help us to be who we are in Christ Jesus. Draw near to us and bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Who's doing the all age today? Did I say, ah, Douglas, there you are. Thought it was you. Thank you. Oh, good morning. I've got a problem. This is a tube of toothpaste which I've been trying to squeeze out the last little bit of toothpaste. Didn't want to waste anything. And the problem, of course, is now these days they're all plastic, aren't they? And 
Who remembers the toothpaste tubes you could roll up? Metal. Oh, there's quite a few of you. I'm sure there's a few of you at, uh, on the Zoom who can remember that, especially Ken and Jackie and Brenda. And uh, yeah, you roll them up, get the last little bit of toothpaste out, and it'll stay there. But on the plastic ones, they just unroll again, don't they? Well, um, it's interesting that our home group on Wednesday, uh, rather Thursday, um, uh, Jackie, after the home group, she sent us a link to um, Sainsbury's because Nick had been invited us to talk about how we can look after the world and um, look at eco-friendly ways of looking after the world. And uh, Jackie sent this link from Sainsbury's and they've got a series of whole load of eco-products, including, would you believe it, toothpaste. So um, I was very tempted to go and, and buy some of this stuff until I saw the price. <laughs> so what's the connection between toothpaste and Joseph? Well, we just talked about the metal, and nice metal tubes as opposed to the plastic. And I've been thinking about pure metal, or rather precious metals. And obviously the, one of the well-known ones is silver, as we have in the... Uh, cup over there. And um, you may remember that uh, in last week's uh, lesson, I wasn't here last week, but I caught up online and I had a very good resume uh, on the Wednesday walk. Thank you to uh, Suzanne for telling me about what went on last week. Um, you'll remember that Joseph, um, uh, in, in, the, in the story in chapter 44 of Genesis, we heard the brothers' sacks contained silver, a method of paying for goods received. But also, poor Benjamin, they tricked him, didn't they? They framed him to make it look like he was a thief. They put Joseph's cup in his sack. That's a terrible thing to do, wasn't it? Um, it was not an ordinary cup, not the sort of cup that anybody would drink from. It was the special silver cup from Joseph. This would have been finely refined. I wonder how many uh, people of school age know the chemical symbol for silver? Any hands up? Any hands up? What up right at the back? Can you shout it out? AG. AG, that's correct. Yeah. And um, well done, Hayden. Well, I want to talk to you, um, tell you a little story that I picked up some while ago. Um, it's a story about a lady and a prophecy from Micah. I'm sorry, Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. And the, the verse says, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. This is referring to the God and what might come from God. I, I think it's referring to either John the Baptist or, or, or Jesus. This verse puzzled some women in the Bible study. And they wondered what this statement meant about the character and nature of God. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. One of the women offered to find out the process of refining silver and get back to the group at the next Bible study. That week, the woman called a silversmith and made an appointment to watch him at work. She didn't mention anything about the reason for her interest beyond her curiosity about the process of refining silver. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver in a crucible over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, no one needed to hold the silver, oh sorry, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were hottest as to burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. Then she thought again about the verse that says, He sits as a refiner, a purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in the front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The man answered that yes. He not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on it the entire time it was in the fire. If the silver was left in a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, well, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and answered, Oh, that's easy. When I can see my image in it, it's just like a mirror. 
the moral of the story is that if today you are feeling the heat of the fire, remember that God is on you and will keep you watching you until he sees his image in you. Over to Kevin for the next instalment. <laughs> well, we better hear what the next bit is, haven't we? So uh, we'll, we'll hear from the word of God. The next, read. the next reading, uh, it's uh, Genesis chapter 45, and it's entitled, Joseph Makes Himself Known. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers weren't able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father all about, about all the honour accorded me in Egypt and about everything you've seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan, and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You're also directed to tell them, do this. Take some carts from Egypt for your children and for your wives, and get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings, because the best of all Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts, as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away, and as they were leaving he said to them, Don't quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's ruler of all Egypt. Well, Jacob was stunned, but he didn't and he didn't believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and I'll see him before I die. Amen.
Thank you. So we'll sing together once again. Uh, and at the end of this song, I'll receive the offering. Uh, Amazing Grace. So it's the old hymn with a new chorus uh, interspersed. We've done it before. You'll pick it up quite easily. So if you're able, please stand and we'll sing together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
Father God, once again we come to say thank you in this most practical of ways. Please take all that we have and all that we are and use even us to further your kingdom. Amen. Now if you're involved with Junior Church, it's time for you to take your leave. The Lord be with you. Ah, jolly good. And also with us then. (laughs) Do be seated. We come to our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. As always, Father, it is a great privilege to come to you in this way. And we're glad that we can. We want also to confess how big the needs of the world seem to us and how far beyond our means to change or alter. And sometimes that can make us feel helpless. It can make us feel lost. So we're glad we can come to you, the author and creator of our faith, Indeed, the creator of all things. We know that you have not taken your love away from what you've made. We know that you've not taken your love away from all whom you have made. And that includes us and all peoples everywhere. We look at what's going on with the weather in the world and we know actually there may be things that we can do to try and help with that so help us Father God to look again at how we use energy where we go to buy things help us to be more discerning about what we buy and how we buy it and maybe the small things that we can do if we do them, will make a difference. We think about those folk in Brazil where there's been huge amounts of rain in a very short space of time and because of that, mudslides and again, people lost, livelihoods lost, families separated, people dying. And we just wonder, where will this all end? In our own country, Storm Eunice. And again, it was a reminder for many of us that we, we need to be careful. We need to be thoughtful about what we're doing. The winds were very strong. Trees have been uprooted. Buildings have been affected. Roofs have come off. And again, people have died. So there are all sorts of things going on in the natural world, Lord. Things that used to be described as once-in-a-lifetime events. Now they seem to be happening every five or six years. We remain concerned about what's going on around the edges of Ukraine. We... We hear everything that's being said. We're not sure still how this may work out. So we continue to pray for all those that carry authority and responsibility in the world, especially in Ukraine and Europe and Russia. And we pray that good sense will prevail. Everybody knows War is not going to be a good thing. Everybody knows that if there is war, too many people are going to lose. There's a lot of calculating going on in some capitals in the world. Let's hope that the sums come out the right way. We thank you, Father, for everything that goes on in this building uh, and for all those things uh, that happen 
with a focus on trying to help uh, all people come to a saving faith and knowledge. Thank you for the work that goes on amongst uh, younger people. We think especially about Boys Brigade and Girls Association, our junior church. In the summer, uh, the Lighthouse Holiday Club. But we especially give thanks for BBGA um, meeting this Tuesday. Thank you for those that give their time to provide something beneficial and worthwhile. Uh, not just to keep young people occupied, although that's a good thing in itself, but there to try and help young men and women find their way to faith, find their way to you, Lord. It's important work. It's significant work. Pray you will strengthen and encourage all those that lead. Pray that there'll be something that happens this week that causes them to stop and think, it is all worthwhile. Because it surely is. Even though most of the time you can't see what effect you may be having. So we pray your rich blessing on all those involved, whether they're wearing a uniform or not, whether they're supporting and helping, or whether they are the young people. Draw near and bless them all, we pray, in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Let's gather up all of our prayers as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So this is the climax, friends, of the story. This is the climax of the Joseph saga. And you, uh, you know... Uh, because you've been here and you've been following all of this, uh, how desperate things have become. Uh, the famine has taken hold. The famine uh, is really starting to bite. Uh, and Israel, Jacob, has encouraged his sons to go to Egypt uh, and to find food, to go and buy food to bring back, which they did. Uh, and, of course, they use up all of the food. And uh, Jacob says, go back. And get some more. Uh, and the brothers say, we can't go unless we take our youngest son with us. And Jacob's not keen for that to happen. But eventually he's persuaded and off they all trot. And uh, as Douglas said earlier, uh, Benjamin is framed. Uh, they put Joseph's silver cup in his sack uh, and he's framed. Uh, what is this you have done? We haven't done anything, my Lord. And Judah has to plead, doesn't he, for Benjamin. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, make everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard all about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Joy unconfined. No, absolutely not. Because suddenly, the well not suddenly, because <laughs> we know, the brothers have been riven with guilt over what they had done to Joseph all those years before. They thought they'd got rid of him, but they had not. The dream, as it turns out, that, jo that Joseph shared with his brothers, the dream was true, and the dream could not be resisted. God's sovereign purpose is going to bear fruit. 
There is nothing that the brothers can do to prevent it. Uh, and you'll remember, you know, when Joseph shared his dream, they said to him, will you reign and rule over us? Well, that was never Joseph's intent, but it was God's intent. Uh, and God's intent is going to come about. Uh, it cannot be resisted. The, the narrator of the story is very keen that all those listening should know that when God has set his hand upon something, nothing on heaven, in heaven or on the earth or under the earth is going to resist it. Try as you might, uh, and many will try, as we saw. The brothers all tried. Uh, when Joseph was in prison, you know, the, the cupbearer and the baker... Uh, the cupbearer was supposed to remember and say, yes, I'll speak for you. And he forgot all about it. So, you know, active resistance, resistance by omission, just by forgetfulness. If God wants something to happen, it is going to happen. Even though we may resist with all of our might and main, God's sovereign purpose will bear fruit. So there's something about that in this story. There's something about power as well. And there's a great temptation uh, here for Joseph. How do you use power? We've seen a little bit of the manoeuvring that Joseph actually went about in, in order to get, to get the brothers, get his family where he wanted them. He never told them straight off, did he? I am Joseph and you need to do this and this and this. He actually played on their fears a bit, didn't he? put the silver back in their sacks with the grain the first time round so they were fearful when they got home and found no money had been handed over. Fearful again when they came back with their brother and on their way home the second time that silver cup is found to be in Benjamin's sack. Uh, they are fearful and why should they not be? When they had all the power, what did they do with it? They tried really hard to get rid of Joseph. They wanted to do away with him. They even thought about killing him. That is a desperate thing, isn't it? And now suddenly they find that the shoe is on the other foot. Suddenly Joseph is the one with all of the power, all of the authority. And he does indeed rule and reign. He rules and reigns in Egypt. And because they've come to Egypt for food, he does indeed rule and reign over them. Their lives are absolutely in his hands. And what is he going to do with that power? Rightly, the brothers are fearful. But Joseph is gracious and merciful Joseph said to his brothers come close to me when they had done so he said I am your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you for two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will not be ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph exercises power responsibly. Joseph is merciful. Joseph is gracious and mercy breaks the chains. And for the first time, I note in this story, Joseph acknowledges God as an active player, as an active partner uh, in the story. We know that Joseph has always known that God is in his life. Uh, we saw it way back uh, when Pharaoh called upon him to interpret the dreams that he was having. Pharaoh says, I've heard that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph says, no, I can't actually, but the God I worship will give you the interpretation that you need. And so Pharaoh speaks his dreams out and Joseph tells Pharaoh what God is going to do. Joseph 
acknowledges God. But this is the first time we see Joseph acknowledge God as a prime mover in his life and experience. Uh, It's almost as if it's only now that he can acknowledge who he really is under God. Uh, He is God's chosen instrument for delivering his family. When he was 17 and he had his dream, we weren't sure, were we, uh, about what he was doing, how he was speaking, why he was speaking in the way that he did. And one can speculate. But here, now, as an older man, some, well, it's 22 years, actually, if you add up the numbers, almost a generation passes. So he's not a young man anymore. He's in his middle years. He's early 40s now. And he knows how to use power. He knows how to move the levers of power to get what he needs. He knows he doesn't have to be vengeful. He knows he can be merciful and gracious. And he acknowledges that God is the foundation of his life. So there's stuff about power. There's stuff about God's sovereignty. Joseph's acknowledging the reality of his own place in this and God's place in all of this. And then there's something about the future. There is one. That's good news, isn't it? And sometimes, you know, when you're in a bleak situation, you wonder, don't you, what is the future? Is there going to be a future? The brothers intended to dispose of Joseph. God intended to use Joseph as a saviour. And this is the pinnacle of the story, which is why you know, we will leave it here. We won't go on any further uh, into Genesis after this. This is the pinnacle of the story, the moment to which the whole story has been moving. Uh, and as we were saying, come close to me, says Joseph. Uh, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five there will not be ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you, uh, for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. It's only now that Joseph can see the whole Joseph's speech redefines the whole experience of the different groups in the family. God's purpose can create a real newness. God's purpose is utterly gracious. We've seen how God's purpose is hidden and mysterious. And we've seen how his purpose is worked out in concrete history in real-life circumstance. The family that was on the brink of starvation has its fortunes sharply reversed because of God's activity. So what about God's purpose for your life? What about God's purpose for the life of this church? Can it still work in the same way that it did with Joseph? Can it create a real newness in your own life, in the life of our church as we gather together? Do we recognise that purpose as being utterly gracious in our own lives? Do we see that it is hidden and mysterious? I've said before and I'll say again, I think you know the, the way that God operates in this story, the, jo- the Joseph story, is the way that God operates in our own lives. I think this is the way that most of us experience God in that slightly hidden way. He's there and he's working, but not always obvious. And as you look back over your own life, whether it be long or short, can you see those places where God actually has been working, where he has worked out his purpose in the concrete, real life circumstances of your own existence rejoice friends 
because God is at work. God is active, even now, in your life, in our life together. And the other reminder that we need to hold on to uh, is God's time scale. When God gave Joseph the dream, he was 17 years old. When he started working for Pharaoh, he was 30. There's been seven years of plenty, and there's been two years of famine up to this point. 22 years between the original dream being given and the outworking properly of it all, the fulfillment of it, Do you mean to rule and reign over us? No, I don't, but God does. And God is going to do it so that you will be saved. I wonder what God is going to do among us and how long it's going to take for it all to be worked out. As you start to see glimpses, as you continue to see glimpses of what that might be share it don't be surprised if you find people coming against it but if it's God hold tight if it's God stay faithful it will all work out in the end amen Mm, amen maybe (laughs) right let me pray for you Sometimes, Lord, there are hard lessons for us to learn. And one of the hardest is to be patient, especially if we are activist by nature. And most of us in Baptist churches are. So help us to be patient. Continue to show us what you want for us in this place. And encourage us, we pray, to step forward in faith and to follow wherever you might lead. Draw near to us and bless us, we pray. Amen. So we shall sing together once again, and after this song we'll gather around the Lord's table. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? If you're able, please stand. This song is also called The Summons. Um, And whenever I play it, I always say, if you were summoned, what would you do? What would you actually do? So think about the words as we sing, because this is one of those kind of nice little simple songs, but it's got a really tough message. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my name be known? Will you let my life be grown in you and you in me? Will you leave yourself behind if I but call your name? Will you care for cruel and kind and never be the same? Will you risk the hostile stare? Should your life attract or scare? Will you let me answer prayer in you and you in me? Will you let the blinded see if I but call your name? Will you let the prisoners free and never be the same? Will you kiss the leper clean and do such as this unseen and admit to what I mean in you and you in me? Will you love the you you hide if I but call your name? Will you quell the fear inside and never be the same? Will you use the faith you found to reshape the world around? Throw my height and touch and sound in you and you in me.
Lord, your summons echoes true when you but call my name. Let me turn and follow you and never be the same. In your company I'll go, where your love and footsteps show. Thus I'll move and live and grow in you and you in me. Amen. Do sit down, friends. If you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbours and are resolved to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking henceforth in his holy ways, then draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. We pray together. Lord, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy, and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. The Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. We read that Jesus offered a prayer of thanksgiving for bread and for wine, and we shall do the same. Let us pray. We are thankful, Father God, that we have something practical and tangible, something to touch and hold and see and taste. The reality of your sacrifice, the bread that is broken, reminding us that your body was broken, the wine poured out, reminding us that your blood was poured out for our sake. Without you and without this, we would be nothing. We would be lost and alone. Now we are found and we are brought home. As we eat and drink, Lord, may we do so with thankful hearts. Amen. So after he'd given thanks, the Lord took the bread and broke it, 
and said, This is my body, which is for you. Whenever you eat this, remember me. We shall eat the bread as we receive it. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. We shall retain the cup and drink together. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. 
Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his resurrection life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so that we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. If you're able, please stand. going to God's world with joy and peace and love and hope in your hearts. And the blessing of Almighty God, 
creator, redeemer, and sustainer, be with us all evermore. Amen.